0: Welcome to Talking with Tech. My name is Chris Bouguet, and I'm here with Rachel Nadel. Rachel, it's part two of our ATIA 2024 recap episode. Where we left off is talking about different sessions that we went to that we enjoyed. So uh, if you listened to the last episode, you know we were joking around about Arby's, right? Well, in order to get to a certain block of rooms, you had to go through... Uh, the se- the session, the section of the conference that was Arby's related. It was a very far like walk to get to the, some of those sessions. You you went to us. I mean, we, we talked about this. You went to a session down in that block of the conference hall, didn't you?
1: Yes. I ventured down to see learn Enders and I was like, this is a hike. <laughs> this is far.
0: So I hiked all the way down there to, because I was really interested in the title of this particular one, which I didn't pull up for this episode, I should have, but I'll tell you what it, What really caught me was the use of black lights in therapy. And I was like, hmm, haven't heard that before. That's new. I'm gonna go to that session. So I went to that session and uh first i want to shout out in that session catherine catherine if you're listening it was great hanging with you there was a listener to talking with tech in there the the gentleman that ran the session uh there was maybe mm, 10 people in this session and he asked us to go around and say who we were so when it got to me Catherine turns around and goes, I know that voice, you know, it's like, hey, Catherine. So um, so we kind of, um, you know, had that bonding experience of like we we were AAC people together. Right. And other people were certainly there was a high number of occupational therapists in this session. And what it turned out to be was sort of a, it was one, my type of session, Rachel, where we didn't sit and just listen to this guy talk he had us do experiential stuff. So he had us uh, get into a circle, uh, which again, small group. He brought a bunch of musical instruments and we played music together. And then we talked uh, a little bit about how you could implement music in in really any kind of therapy situation and how rhythm and music help you with um, regulation, certainly with language, certainly with um, considering, uh, uh, learning any sort of alphabet or, you know, any sort of, um, l- literacy components. So we've just, you know, it, we had a little bit of experience where we all picked up different, um, instruments and played them and listened to each other's instruments. But uh, that wasn't the super interesting part. Uh, it was fun to play the instruments, but it was, there was no big takeaway for me from that moment. Like, Oh yeah, I should use music. I already knew to mu- use music and think, uh, advocate for the, the use of music and more, uh, towards the last 10 minutes. And I had to leave early cause my session was next. And it, like I said, it was a hike to get there. Um, so I had to leave a, a little bit early, but we, someone even reminded him he's like uh, uh the name of the title is black lights can we can we break out the black lights so we, he brought out the black lights which i looked up afterwards on amazon they're about 45 each but they're like um spotlights like these uh picture it like maybe a um a a foot long by six to eight inches wide light that so this rectangle that you pull out on the back there's like a stand and you can kind of sit on the floor he had two of those you plug them into the into the wall and then you turn out the lights and then it's a rave right it's like black lights with all of our and he had us dance so we get in a circle and he invited us to dance when I say he had us he invited us to dance um with one person getting in the center doing different moves right and then other people emulating those moves where we're like moving our hands flowing to the to the music he um played a, a Beatles tune uh that we all sort of just rocked back and forth for and then each person had took a turn getting to the center. And he said he didn't bring them because he questioned us putting them on our hands, but he uses um uh white gloves, you know, so that uh kids can be the the, the leader of the of the experience. And then afterwards I wish I could have stayed with Catherine or that group and walked out I wish I didn't have to leave early because my mind was racing like I had never done a thing with students like that where you turn out the. I've, I've done stuff where we turn out the lights and we use flashlights to find things you know like a, a hide and seek sort of thing but not a black lights thing I was like that is so unique imagine having a card with white letters on them and you instead of just po- pointing to people to come out and dance which is just totally fine if you want to dance but saying you know, all right, what is that letter and that letter and bring them together and what does that spell, you know, that kind of stuff, or you've got words printed on them and bring them over here and bring them over here and what sentence are we making, you know, uh, that kind of stuff could be really fun and unique um, in, in a way that, like, most kids don't get to experience black lights, you know, unless you're going to this really, I mean, maybe once a year at Halloween sometime, or if you go to an experience. So I thought, hmm, that might be a really cool investment if you're listening to this um, and you have end of the year funds. If you are thinking, of, you know, something to add to your, uh, to to the bank of resources, you might have maybe some black lights. You know, doesn't that sound fun?
1: It sounds so fun. I have so many ideas right now. I'm like, I want to buy a bunch of black lights. I want to get black flashcards with like highlighters and like have like secret words. Like what a great way to work on literacy and just so many things. I feel like that would be so fun to kind of walk around a room and like find letters and then like play around with those letters and put them in and start making words with them and... Yes, I'm into that.
0: And certainly there, uh, something that, that uh, I hadn't really realized, I guess I realized it, but it didn't occur to me until I was in that session. There were different parts of our clothing and different materials that were lighting up different ways, right? So white shows up in a, but different fluorescent Uh, Colors. So imagine having like all the verbs, one fluorescent color or all the the vowels, a different one, you know what I mean? Help differentiate that. So my mind was just racing. I was also thinking this would be something immediately to share to our um, adapted physical ed teachers like i could see them really embracing this as well so because to me uh, at least in my neck of the woods the adapted pe teachers are some of the most creative making you know different experiences um very kinesthetic you know dance and kicking and gross motor movement stuff so uh, I would, i just came out jazzed from that with all sorts of new ideas it wasn't the same old same old session you know
1: Yes, I love that. That's so cool. I feel like I'm really sad I missed that. And you caught it. You caught it on the the agenda. Of course you did. Um, but what great ideas.
0: Um, so you said that you uh, you made the trek down to see Lauren Enders. And if I'm remembering correctly, it wasn't just Lauren Enders. It was our friends from the awe and wonder podcast like uh, Brenda Del Monte. Am I having that right? Because I wasn't there. You went down there. Is that right?
1: Yes, I got the opportunity to to check that session out. I was also rushing. I feel like there was a lot, there was a lot of moving pieces at ATAA, but I made the trek, I hiked down there, I got a great seat and I listened to Lauren and Brenda talk all about coaching, uh, which that piqued my interest. And I was definitely excited to hear what they had to share. Uh, Lauren and Brenda had a really amazing session with some really awesome resources. Um, all about how do we kind of teach all these skills to communication partners um, and really, really awesome resources that were included in in that session and just the idea that we need to really empower the circle of support around a student who's using AAC. Um, one of the things that stuck out during that session was Lauren had shared um, a few video clips of her working with one of her students, and she made the comment, which I feel like is so important, um, you know, it's for 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 families and people who are willing to share videos the impact that can make on this field is so profound. Um, it's it's really, really helpful for parents, teachers, paraprofessionals, other SLPs to see how to actually interact and engage optimally with an AAC user meaning like here's this here watch me model language during this activity watch me pause watch me go through you know throughout the the least to most prompting hierarchy Um, and so Lauren had said um, just kind of off the cuff a comment about that and it really stuck with me um, just this idea of encouraging more sharing and I think that now when we're in 2024 where you know, our phones are in our back pockets all the time and they have easy access to taking photos and videos, you know, it's really helpful to kind of take a, a, a quick video of something that you're doing and sharing. Um, and you know, Chris, I'm really all about video. I, I utilize that so much in my own clinical practice with so much success. Um, and so I just thought that was really helpful to hear from someone else saying the same thing.
0: Rachel, that sounds awesome, and it sounds uh, so great that someone like Lauren Enders is spreading that message about using video and encouraging people to share as well. Something I ask parents to consider when um, I'm meeting with them is to realize that there are other families that have had these experiences or similar experiences to you, and that's something that you can learn from. So the more people are willing to share, the more opportunities there are out there to find people that you can learn from. Right. So that's awesome that, that Lauren, were sharing that Lauren and Brenda, right?
1: Yes, it was, it was, it was a great session Two really strong presenters. And, um, yeah, I just like, love, I love the topic of coaching. I love hearing other people talk about it. Cause it's like my world and I'm like, Oh, that's a good idea. That's a good way to say that. Um, so yeah, I, I thought it was a really, really well done.
0: Um, also you mentioned Lauren Enders and the great resources that she were sharing. And I just have to imagine, like there's there's my level of using Canva, right? I get by, I do all right, I'm okay, I'm a, I'm not bad at it, right? Uh, I think there's some things that I put out are pretty slick, right? And then there's kind of the next level up from that, where there's people that create like these amazing resources that are super visually appealing, and they know they have a a greater sense of color and design, right? And then there's Lauren Ender's, right? Who is in a tier all by herself, right? Is that fair?
1: <laughs> She's a top tier Canva creator for sure, and um, I, I have to shout out Lauren because Lauren has really helped my digital team in our creations, and she has just learned so much about kind of graphic design. And um, yes, I I I love all of the the content she creates and. It's interesting to think it, it's not just about the content that you're sharing, right? Either when you're doing a speaking event or when you're sharing a resource, the look and feel, uh, the actual experience is really important. And so I think Lauren does an amazing job of creating visuals that are really, um, easy to read and, um, she definitely has a, a true talent for that.
0: Now speaking of true talent, let's talk about the next session that I we were both in for a little while. We couldn't stay because again there were two sessions that uh, had people that we both wanted to see, and um, they were at the same time. So we decided to split and say, okay, we'll go to the first session, first part of this session, and then we'll leave and go to the last part of this other session. So the, so let's talk about those two. So um ba um ba doo doo. We have a session to tell you... So George, not, not yeah, the Georgia Assistive Technology Act, the people from the Georgia Assistive Technology Act put on a Willy Wonka themed uh, session about assistive technology and accessible educational materials. They dressed in Willy Wonka outfits. They sung Willy Wonka songs.
1: They're they really committed. They really committed to that theme.
0: It was great. They they didn't call themselves by their names. They called themselves by their characters' names throughout the session. I love that kind of stuff, that, that commitment to performance um and of course I know them I've been uh down to that conference and presented there I'm going back next December to present again uh great friends with this so I, I needed to be there to support their efforts um and and was not disappointed at all right uh the, handing out chocolate and, and then the material not just the theme right but the stuff they were sharing was really important they were showing how when they sh- when they focused uh their energy on professional learning and specifically around how to write IEPs that focused on using accessible educational materials, they saw a drastic increase in the number of people that were using and considering those that materials built for everybody. So it was like, and that's, that's one little nugget from a larger presentation, but certainly like, Hmm, yeah. What if we spent our time focusing specifically on that? We provide better resources. And sure enough, the outcome is you get better outcomes from, from kids. You get, if you teach people how to create and make accessible accessible materials, then they will create and make accessible materials and kids benefit. So well done, Georgia. Sadly, we didn't get to see the end of it though, because we had to run out to go to, do you remember which one we went to?
1: Yes, we got to catch the tail end of Bruce Alter's uh, presentation.
0: I say had to, like somehow we were forced. Like we wanted to be there, right? We didn't want to miss it. Uh, Bruce is, of course, we've had him on the podcast talking about AI. He is the person in assistive technology that comes to, uh, bubbles to the top. I mean, there's a bunch of us playing with it and working in it and certainly talking about it and thinking about it. And Bruce is uh, a great thought partner there. He is, again, if Lauren Enders is at the peak of using Canva, Bruce Alter is at the peak of using AI, right? So here he was presenting with Kelly Suiting on how to use AI and the importance of using AI, and and realizing that if you're not using it uh, with your with to to increase your own productivity, it to. Um, to help create inclusive experiences for kids, if you're not actually maybe even teaching them how to use it, although we're quick to say that uh, privacy is still a thing, so we wouldn't put student information in there or let students use it on their own right now, like ChatGPT, although there are some tools that uh, are built for kids and there, that, that is certainly changing, but um, all of his great ideas there really resonated. And the whole time, um, I was at the conference, and I mentioned this in the in part one, is that FETC was ringing in my mind. I wrote him afterwards like, man, how can we clone you and get you at FETC? Because those people who are certainly also the Future Educator Technology Conference, uh, those people who are but more ed-tech focused might not be thinking about using generative AI for inclusive practices, but you are certainly, uh, you, Bruce, and the rest of us, but Bruce at the, uh, at the tip of that spear is is uh, leading that charge it could really influence people in a great way. So I don't know. I had great, uh, I just love cheering that guy on. I'm a big fan of Bruce and uh, it was great to be there to support him.
1: Yeah, I have really grown curious about AI and very excited to hear anyone talk about it because I feel like every time I'm listening to someone um, talk about AI, I am always learning something new and a different way to use it, a different thing to think about. I actually had a really awesome conversation during EdCamp about AI and learned all about AI bots and like chat bots and all the things you can do to customize a chat bot for students. And it was like, mind blown. I was like, wow, like there's so much to know here and so many ways that we could really use this um, to really make an impact on our students and their learning.
0: Speaking of chat bots, and thank you for foreshadowing EdCamp, because of course, that's on the list of things to talk about. Right. Um, But speaking of chat bots, so We haven't advertised this widely, but as soon... ChatGPT, a couple months ago, came out with the ability to create a chatbot of your own. Um, And so, of course, I went over and I started playing with it, and I created one for us. So... um, if you are a premium member of chat gpt you pay for that you can access the what we call the talking with tech technician and what it what i created was a sort of a i, I trained this chatbot on the notes that luke has created on our website over our last 300 episodes uh, or plus and so a problem that some people, or a, a challenge, let's put it that way, I don't know if so much that it's a problem, but a challenge that people have now that we've got, uh, uh, six years worth of content and 300 episodes is how do I dive in if I'm new or how do I find something or I listen to that I know I Chris or Rachel interviewed somebody and we get frequently emails like that Uh, Rachel I heard you talk and you interviewed somebody and they said something about this and they have some sort of some sort of base, but they can't really get it. Like you probably get one of those, at least once a month I get an email like that, right? Yes,
1: for sure. And I usually read those emails and I'm like, I have no idea. (laughs)
0: Chris, Chris, do you remember? Same thing, I'll probably put it over to you. Rachel, do you know what what they're talking about? but now we have a chat bot that, um, that you can explore to answer again. It's only for the premium members of not, it's not even our premium. It's not like Patreon members. It's something you have. at least at the time of this recording. That's how it works. So, um, so again, we can link it in the in the show notes and it's something you can if you are a ChatGPT subscriber, uh, then you can use this. If not, you know, don't worry, still still uh, email us and we'll still help you. Right. But the idea is that you can ask it and have conversations like I I heard Chris and Rachel talking about this. They interviewed somebody. What episodes do you think it is? And it will spit it back out for you. Which ones you think it, it is? And then you can find it. That's not quite right. It, they talked more about this. And so that's how that thing works. Anyway, back to the conference. That was just a side note that that exists. Um, so uh, so you talked about EdCamp. We talked about AI. Um, is there any other sessions that jumped to your mind that uh, were really interesting or intriguing? Or was that all of them? Cause, because us having to leave on Saturday, we only got to go to a few sessions. So maybe that was all of them
1: think of any other ones that's, that I attended and it's I'm blanking right now. I'm sure there's other ones perhaps, but, um, I had a really good time at the poster sessions for sure. There were some very interesting posters that I was able to be a part of and, uh, listen to. And, um, I want to shout out, uh, Tina Moreno and her son Mateo. Um, they had a poster session and, um, I've been trying to get Tina Moreno on this podcast for years at this point. Um, And her son, Mateo, is an AAC user.
0: Tina was on the podcast just briefly, only shortly. But well, twice, actually, right? Because she did the book study. Uh, no, the podcast study and she did um, the thre- she was there to celebrate our 300th episode so there's a little bit of- that's
1: right micro moments with Tina but we need a full we need a full Tina episode um, I did invite Mateo on the podcast too so I'm hoping that we can make that happen um, but Mateo is doing really awesome work in the field of advocacy for AAC he's an AAC user and has been going and talking to classrooms and shared all about that experience and I thought It was a really well done poster session, and I just love the work that he's doing. How powerful is it for students to see an AAC user in their classroom using AAC to communicate? I feel like it just really helps to bridge that gap of misunderstanding around AAC, especially for children who haven't had exposure and. To be fair, also adults, Um, and so I think that that's so great, and I would love to support um, that continued work. And I said, like, if you want Mateo, like, I will blast this out to all of my people. Um, And so I would definitely recommend reaching out and, um, yeah, hire Mateo. I feel like that's a a great thing for your classroom, for your district. Um, I'm a really big believer in hiring AAC users to come share their lived experience with AAC as a way to really help people understand and learn about AAC.
0: Um, Another poster session that was there, uh, and another person I got to meet in person who I had not met before, but um, you interviewed on the podcast was Gemma White talking about the importance of adding, uh, body parts and safety words and talking about those and actually teaching those. Um, and she had great balloons of body parts there on the, uh, on her poster session. Uh, I got to help on the way back from that blacklight session I was running, she was setting up and I was, I could get, I got to help, uh, put it up a little bit. So, um, so that was a great, uh, that was a great surprise. I didn't know that Gemma was going to be there and I didn't know that I was going to get to meet her. So, uh, so that was great. Um, And a poster session that I didn't get to see, but I walked by and I wish I could have uh, stopped and seen it and had the conversation was there was a poster session by Angela Stanbridge, who is another person we have to invite on the podcast and talk uh, more deeply about AAC, I think. Um, but it was about esports. And I was like, Oh, I want to see that. But it's one of those ones like, I gotta get to my session and there it is. Why can't I stop right now? Um and again, so much good stuff. I wish I could see see more. Uh, any other poster sessions that stick out to you?
1: Well, I was walking by one. I was on our I think I was on my way to meet you, Chris, um, for a meeting that we had in the um exhibitor hall but I saw a session uh, a poster session on robots and I was like Chris Chris there's a poster session on robots uh it's funny you say
0: that because well so what was it about what did they talk about
1: I didn't I didn't get to actually stop by I was literally running late to come meet you so I was like oh I gotta go but I saw as I was walking by robots and I was like oh man I wish I could stop
0: um, well, okay, let's tie some of these threads together here for a second because one of the other sessions I got to go to was on uh, science technology, uh, science technology, engineering, art and math. Um, and it was put on by uh, the American Printing House for the Blind. And when I, I I didn't realize that necessarily, and it wasn't just about being blind, it was about using STEM stuff in your education and uh, and in, in your instruction. And so I went there, and when I got there, the person that was presenting, I knew, if you've been listening to the podcast recently, some of the episodes have featured people from the United Ability Conference from Alabama, uh, the Meredith Hankins episode, the Mercy Wolverton episode, and there was this guy named Jason, who I met there at the United Ability, talking about, um, uh, about accessible coding. And so, uh, so we, you know, uh, we were there chatting, but the reason that this, this session was, they, they provided a bunch of resources, but, um, I, I got an opportunity to ask a question at the end that I think is relevant here to the podcast. Um, again if you listen to the mercy wolverton episode i spend a few minutes talking about the five c's like uh critical thinking uh communication collaboration these sorts of concepts to drive our instruction um is is maybe where we need to be heading and where we are heading with education and i asked the question at the end all right you've been talking all about how this this whole session for this whole hour you're talking about how important it is that we give students with disabilities, students with all sorts of different abilities and students with diverse backgrounds um, from all over opportunities to code. And I said, and of course, I've been championing that notion for a long time. Let's make sure everybody gets included in STEM, right? We're not leaving anybody out. And I said, and I would, I mean, anyone listening to the the podcast, yeah, we know Chris, we've been talking about this, right? Right, Rachel? I mean, this is not a new thing.
1: It's not, I love it though. I'm excited.
0: So tying these threads together, I said something that sort of challenged me with that notion though is like, so, so maybe, I guess maybe to, to summarize that, maybe there should be a sixth C that it's not just creative, uh, it's not just creativity and communication and collaboration and citizenship, but maybe we should add a sixth C of coding because maybe every student needs to now leave school with some experience with coding because that is the world we're heading, heading towards, except what's challenged me in the last year is generative AI, tying our conversation about Bruce together. Is Now, generative AI, the way you and I use it primarily is with text, right, and maybe generating some images. I think that's how a lot of people use it. But coders are using it the same way that we might generate a paragraph and then tweak. They'll generate a code. Here's a prompt. Write me this code. Now I'll go in and fix the code. And um, that may really challenge. Hmm. Is it really spending time coding, or is it really spending time teaching people how to write better prompts? And so I got to ask Jason, who was presenting at this, what his thoughts were, who spends a lot of time in this world. And he said, Chris, it's not a matter of do you spend time doing prompt engineering and practicing that skill, or do you spend time coding? It's not an or, it's an and you need to do both, right? If you just did prompt engineering, you wouldn't know how to fix the code. You really wouldn't even know what you're asking. You know, you would um, be kind of lost in the sea of code. So you need to little practice both. It, prompt engineering is certainly going to be a way, writing prompts in a way that uh, that, that gets you good output um, and minimize your time uh, is certainly a skill and certainly something we can invite kids to learn how to do, but it doesn't supplant the knowledge around coding. Plus doing both, enhances all those other C's the critical thinking being creative communicating with others collaborating with others how come this prompt isn't right you know all of that kind of stuff still happens all in tandem so again great session and then got to you know say hi to Jason at the end a uh, new friend you know
1: it's really interesting this kind of it's not a either or it's a and I think that's so helpful even at a broader context when we're thinking about AI because um, I've uh, you know, thought about with my students, like, you know, do we just focus on AI and all of the things that we can write for the prompts or what about like focusing on actual formulation and the, you know, organic writing process. And, you know, I feel like this notion of we can do both is really resonating with me because I do think there's a value in just, organic formulating my thoughts into writing. And if we skip over that process, um, and we just go to like, okay, formulating a prompt and then editing my writing, um, I think we kind of miss the mark. And so I think this conversation around doing both is so important because I think that if we take it through that lens instead of this kind of extreme camps on one side or the other, we can find a really great middle ground where we're really teaching and empowering our students to do both.
0: So, I was in a session where I saw someone who uh, uses AAC do both. Uh, that was the every year at ATIA, there is a Pranky Romic. Uh, lecture recipient uh and that no and that person then does a lecture uh talking about um their experiences and this year's winner was um and I apologize because I've only ever seen his name written and I have never or maybe I heard it once in brief passing someone say it at uh so I haven't practiced it yet so uh Karanveer I hope I'm saying your name Karanveer Singh I hope I'm saying your your name right sir um but I, did, I, I don't know. Did you get to go to that or was that one of the ones you were you're double booked?
1: I wasn't able to go to that. I, I didn't make a random bank visit, which we're not going to get into at, at, on the podcast, but I was on my way to the bank in an Uber. <laughs>
0: um, yes, real life doesn't stop when you're at these conferences and stuff happens. Yeah. So I was there and um, stood in the back and um, watched. It was packed, giant room packed with people like standing room only. And of course I got there late because I'm running around, you know, from session to session. And so I was standing in the back. Anyway, this gentleman uses eye gaze to um edit video and has edited so many videos he showed some of the videos that he makes um uh talking about um uh, adobe products and things like that and um he showed off you know uh text that he writes with generates but then he also made a poem using generative ai so it's that again not not or it's and he was using both right and um and it was just uh really um great to see uh Um, someone win who had wanted to win for many years. He was joking about how like he had applied for many years and this was his year, you know? So, um, and that who is, you know, working in the field um, again, back to the point we were making with Lauren Enders about making videos, this guy's making videos and showing like, this is what can happen um, if you presume potential.
1: I love that, Chris. What else we got?
0: All right, I have one more poster session to talk about before we jump into EdCamp, okay? So you know that I am a part of the Joy Zabala Fellowship Steering Committee. And Joy Zabala was a mentor of mine. She is the developer of the SET Framework, um, which I know you use. Uh, I think you talk about it in Ally, right? Um, so extremely influential person. Um in the field of assistive technology in AAC, and uh, she wrote the forward for my book the new assistive tech and and she passed away uh, a couple of years ago, and in her honor, her friends and her colleagues created a fellowship where they got some money together, and they said, "What was Joy really passionate about? And what she's passionate about, what she was passionate about, especially towards the uh, later years of her career, was mentoring others, just like me, right? I don't know where I'd be in my career if it wasn't for Joy Zabala. Um, I, uh, you know, those bracelets that say uh, WWJD? That's exactly what I. W. What would Joy Zabala do? Right? I. I that's how I think of uh, of her all the time when I'm, in a, I'm when I'm in a tough situation. What would Joy do? So." Her friends get together and they create this fellowship where they get some money together and they say, what if we had people apply to be a mentor? Some Someone who's in the field, feels like they have a skill set, and then we paired them with people who applied that said, I'm new to the field, um, or maybe I've been around for a while, but I'm new to a specific aspect of the field and can Uh, And I'd like to be mentored. And then those would go, so imagine a Google form for if you want to be a mentor, a Google form if you want to be a mentee, those go to a place. This fellowship committee then looks at those and says, oh, let's pair these up. This person would be good with that person. This person would be good with this person. Um, Because it's a fellowship, there has been some money that has been donated that we could give as stipends to some of these. And so in the first year, there were three pairs of people that had a year-long project where okay mentee uh this mentor is going to to mentor you through this year-long project and then uh then Right now, we're in the middle of year two with three more partnerships, and in fact, some of the people that are mentors are Aaron Marsters. We just had him on the podcast. Uh, Darla Ashton has been on the podcast. Um, Jamie Martin is a mentee uh, on the podcast. So um, a bunch of people. So Megan Stewart's a part of it, who is sensible literacy on Instagram. So there's a bunch of people that are uh, that are active participants in this. That some of who we've had on the podcast and. Um, and uh what the poster session was was the next round for year 3 is open we've just opened up the um the the google forms where if you want to submit a proposal as a mentor i think i have some skills and maybe i could help somebody or i uh i'm a mentee i have an idea of something that i'd like to create like an assistive technology tour team or an aac program oh and i mean program like and uh, a a, 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 a um, like, a like the coffee talks we were talking about our parent program or something like that, right? Not like a software program. Um, so, and, and then they would pair, try and we would try and pair them up. So that just recently opened. All the people were there with our Joyce Zabala fellowship t-shirts promoting that to, to get involved, to consider putting your hat in the ring as a mentor or a mentee, or if you want, just donate some money to that cause. Um, all of those are great ways to to get involved. So that's my quick shout out. I don't know how quick it was, but that's my shout out for the Joy Zabala Fellowship and consider participating. We'll have a link in the show notes.
1: I think it's so important for this idea of mentorship because I look at my own experience and I didn't have a mentor. And I was really just like bootstrapping my way through learning and trying to do as much professional development as I could and learning things in real time. And so I love this idea of providing mentorship and I would definitely encourage everyone to donate if they don't have the time, but also to, to dedicate your time. We all had you know, someone in our career who was able to kind of guide us and shape, you know, who we are as educators and clinicians today. And I think it's just so important to give back, um, to the community in that way. So I'm really excited about this foundation and really excited that we can link to it and we can promote it.
0: Uh, It's funny that you use those words, Rachel, because uh, one of the people that is involved in the first year, the first cohort of, of people, one of the mentors, his name is Matt Newton, and he is here in Virginia. He actually works in Virginia Tech um, where my son goes. Right. And so Matt and I have known each other for many years. And that's exactly what he said. He's like, when I first started, I kind of floundered around and made all these mistakes. And it was like, Oh, if someone could just guide me, I could have saved so much time and so much anguish and still made mistakes. You're always gonna make mistakes, but maybe less so, and maybe less drastic ones. And so, yeah, he, he, literally you, you use the same words he does at the poster session to describe why he got involved. So, uh, yeah, couldn't. All right. So you mentioned it, you foreshadowed it. Now it's the time to talk about it. Let's talk about EdCamp. So um, EdCamp was, uh, again, if you don't know what it is, uh, I'll give you the quick recap. I've been doing a lot of talking, Rachel. Do you want to explain what EdCamp is?
1: Yes, EdCamp is great. It's like my favorite thing, I think, at AHA, and I just love the whole idea behind it. Um, it's basically a way to crowdsource ideas so you can have an idea about something that you want to talk about, something you want to learn more about, something, a question that's been plaguing you, keeping you up at night, and you take a piece of paper, you put, you post your question on a board, and then those questions are organized, and so the room is divided then into different sections and different time slots are allotted for each um, topic. And you can choose where you want to spend your time having a conversation. Um, And so there's lots of different kind of questions and topic proposals that are put on the board they're then organized and then you get to decide during this next 30 minutes where do I want to spend my time and you can also spend your time in one place and then move on to a different conversation Um, and it's just a really great way to I think especially at the end of a conference to reflect on the things that you've been learning hearing and do a little bit of a deeper discussion around a specific topic and so it was really awesome as it always is super fun and engaging. And again, I think it's really nice to reflect back after you've done so much kind of professional development and learning and, you know, you can go a little bit deeper, you can get questions clarified and it's a bunch of people around, you know, talking about one thing that is of particular interest to you.
0: Yeah, so you already mentioned that you went to one talking about generative AI and gave some reflective thoughts on that one. What were the other ones? Did anyone like conversations stick out?
1: Yeah, I also went to one on um creativity and AAC, which I thought was really interesting. I had never really thought through that lens before. Um and we had a really amazing discussion on how we can promote and foster more creativity with students who are using AAC. Um I of course shared some AI things that I'm doing for creativity purposes, um and some really cool creative writing things, some co-writing. Um, with creative writing that I've been doing with some of my students, um, that's been really successful. And yeah, it was just a really good conversation around the different ways that we can think through, um, creativity. And I think one of the takeaways for me was, we need to be thinking about this. Like it's something that I naturally do in my own, you know, clinical work. Um, I think I'm a creative person and I like, you know, following a student's interests and having them create something is a really great language opportunity, but it's also showcasing. um, I did this thing and here's something I have to show for it, right? Uh, I just think that's a really great way to bridge the gap between what you're doing, your sessions and what's happening at home and, and sending kids home with even just a screenshot of something they created, um, or an example of, of, of the story that they wrote. Um, and so I've always naturally done that, but I think that that conversation got me thinking, you know, how can I be really advocating for my students on behalf of this? How can I be teaching teachers about this and really thinking through this lens of creativity, um, especially when we're thinking about our students that have complex bodies? um, I feel like they're oftentimes left out of the creative process, Uh, but there's ways that we can adapt that and modify what we're doing so that they can be included too. Um, So I loved that conversation. I felt like it was so rich in ideas. And again, just thinking through this lens of creativity at NAAC, I was like, I haven't actually thought about that before in that specific way. And now it's got me thinking about it.
0: You can't have creativity without AT. It's right in the middle of the word.
1: <laughs> I love it. Yes. Yeah, so A big AT in the middle of creativity. Um, well,
0: one of the sessions that I went to was sort of adjacent to that, not really focused on creativity, but it was really about um how to redesign instruction so that it's not so mundane, you know, Um, which is really what you're getting at. I mean, that was one part of it. Uh, whatever the topic was what i really want to point out about this one conversation we had is that we had a individual with down syndrome participate in that conversation and he is a he was a student or is a student i didn't get to meet him or talk to him afterwards he sat a couple seats next to me and then you know the session ends and you run to the next uh, the next one for the next one to start but he got to share some of his perspectives um about being a student in—he uh, wasn't a high school student; he was a college student—and some of the accommodations he uses and some of the strategies he uses. He was a big fan of Canvas and using um, those tools to that on these sorts of learning management platforms. Uh, if you're not familiar with Canvas, it's like Schoology, it's like Google Classroom. It's a place to to house uh, materials and resources, and it has calendars, and it's a learning management system, um, and. He was just a big champion for that. And he was just like, why can't every teacher in every school just do that? Because then if I'm missing something, I can go and get it or I can find it or I can share it and I can ask comments or put questions on it. And it was just uh, it was great to hear his perspective about how, um, That sort of tool can really help with executive functioning, right? And minimize the cognitive load that we all have to endure when we're learning through some sort of structured school program, you know?
1: It's a really good kind of point to make, I feel like, Chris, because. In 2024, if you don't have systems in place to organize yourself, like with all the things that we're expected to do, remember the passwords that we have, you know, I feel like that's the one area of education that hasn't really caught up. It's like, okay, here's all this content, but teaching students how to actually organize themselves. You know, with a calendar and with a to do list, and you know, all the things that eventually we have to figure out for ourselves as adults. Um, And so I love the idea of teaching more of these systems to students because it just helps them start thinking through the lens of yes, how do I organize all of the homework assignments I have and tasks I have to do and places I have to be. Um, I think that that's so cool. and I think that that's where a lot of my students are struggling because no one's really teaching them those things.
0: Yeah, and I'll tell you. so I was just recently, uh, I was working with a freshman uh, who is a freshman in college who came back home for his after his first semester in college and was struggling with those exact same things because in high school, they also used a learning management system, so a lot of stuff was just there on a calendar. He, he never learned how to put stuff on a calendar, um, or his parents often did that for him and never uh, really taught him how to do it uh, or maybe emphasized how, how to do it, uh, maybe saw it but didn't actually do it, and a, a lot of the strategies this particular student learned um, in high school were social strategies, meaning I have this sphere of people that are in the same class with me. They're my friends. They're my peer group. And so later on that evening when I'm on Discord and playing video games, uh, someone might say, Uh, Oh, I got got to jump off. I got to get that thing done for class. Wait, what thing done for class? Oh, right. That thing done for class. And now it's a social reminder or uh, not because they took any action, but because a friend did and vice versa. I think he offered those same sort of supports to other kids. And and, and the same thing would happen with, um, you know, on the way out of class, I walk out with my friends and chatting like, uh, did you really understand that? No, I didn't understand that. Me either. Okay, let's clarify. What did you think that meant? Right. But now being a freshman in college and being in classes where there are no friends, right. Or you're making new friends. That's a whole nother thing. Now uh, I grew up with these people in, in elementary, middle and high. I grew up with those friends. How do I make friends in, uh, in, in this sort of environment and how do I, um, make these relationships? And all of that was new skills, new skills that had not really been practiced. So, um, so I got to work with this particular student, uh, you know, uh, the, the the student came to my house and uh, and sat at my kitchen table and we walked through we worked through a bunch of those strategies together about okay how would you do that what would happen on a on a Monday what's the best time where you would review that what tools do you want to use like are you are you a Google Keep person or are you a OneNote person let's explore those those sorts of what about your phone you get your phone what what can you do there so walk through all of those sorts of strategies that uh, his parents just missed. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, sounds like he's really lucky to have had that experience with you, Chris.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um I no, I'm the lucky one to have that experience with him. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Um back to Ed Camp for a second. I the, the last thing that I would say about Ed Camp is one of the sessions that I that I participated in um was about AT evaluations and considerations and how to do that and um there was a lot of sort of like, uh, yeah, how do we do that? Because there were so many new people there. There was a lot of new people at Ed Camp. Again, because you and I and so many of our friends there are big fans of Ed Camp and uh, actually run had run Ed Camp uh, for the last number of years, um, I think we advocate to the new people to come. And so there was a lot of people kind of sitting around going, well, I don't know how to do this. Like, we wanted to talk about it because we don't know. We wanted to hear. And I think that was also a draw to EdCamp. And I think it's one of the the wonderful things about EdCamp is that you might go to a session it, 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 ed camp always takes place on friday or traditionally has take place uh on friday night so you've got now a day and a half of sessions where you've seen people and you've like i do want to ask them a question but there are people are hovering around them at the end um or i didn't get to see them or i grabbed them in a hall but i didn't get to actually or i want to write them later but will i write them later so i'm going to go to ed camp because it's just much smaller uh, uh, venue and you have much more intimate conversations, right? It's not like a presentation. Um, and so, so there was a number of new people. So I, we got to some of us, uh, Jennifer Schubring was there, uh, who's also been on the podcast. Um, and we were sharing like how we do, how we do it in my neck of the woods, how you do it in your neck of the woods. And then what was awesome is got to talk to them afterwards a little bit. Hey, like one person, a group of people came up and they're like. Something you said, we think we know, we, we think we're doing it that way, uh, uh, we're not sure, and we got to have a little side conversation to li- really clarify what I meant, because they thought I knew what I meant, and then when I clarified it, they're like, oh, it was feature matching. They thought they were doing feature matching a certain way, and I explained how we do it, and they're like, oh, that makes m- more sense. Okay, now we know how to do it. So these intimate conversations are what these conferences are all about, and it's what EdCamp is all about. right so that's ed camp and then there's one last thing again we talked about last time how all of these events impact voices ed camp um uh whatever text help all the different parties were all happening at the same time so an event that i missed but then i followed up with afterwards um and i looked up afterwards was the building wings event where the big announcement at that event was the how Tar Heel Reader, uh, a resource that many many of our listeners are going to know what Tar Heel Reader is and shared Tar Heel Reader. And if you don't know what it is, jump over there. Uh, I'm sure Luke will put it in the show notes, but that is changing. It is um, the the North Carolina University that did and Karen Erickson and that whole crew that uh, put together Tar Heel Reader have partnered with Building Wings to create a new product well, I shouldn't say product because it's still free, right? A new resource. That's a better way to put it. A new resource called Monarch Reader, which I, we weren't there. I didn't get to see what it was. Do you, do you really know what it
1: was? All I did. No, I'm sad about it. I guess I can check it out, though.
0: It's the evolution of Tar Heel Reader. I, I sort of imagine Tar Heel Reader climbing into cocoon and emerging as a monarch butterfly. Um, but its uh, you go to the website, you can sign up. And then when they're ready to reveal it, there'll be more information to come. And so that's what I've done. You know, so if anyone, you know, is listening from Building Wings and you want to meet with us to talk about it, we're here for it because I would love to know what's coming with Monarch Reader.
1: Definitely. I'm excited to, to hear about that, too. Chris, we started this whole conversation another episode ago and we talked about this idea of a theme and we were like, oh, I don't really feel like there was a theme really this year. But then it dawned on me, Chris, there actually was a theme that I noticed. And I think you probably will agree with this. I feel like I heard so many people in our sessions, in the hallway, talking to you, talking to me, talking all about the specific language system first approach. And I want to shout it out because I feel like so many people are using this approach and I feel like that's super exciting I feel like it you know of course originated with you and on this podcast and it's just super exciting to hear how people are using this and with such success and I just wanted to shout that out because as we come full circle I feel like there kind of was a theme this year.
0: Well, thank you for saying that. yes I guess I guess reflecting back on it, I noticed that and there was certainly a number of people that mentioned it last year and even more this year and and it's true the um, when I came up with that name and thought through a whole flow chart, that was several years ago I mean many 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 years ago and the where I first had the the, the the moment to share it on a wide scope in a presentation was at ATIA, thank you Carol Zangari for giving me a few minutes at a session to share it, and that was a packed room full of people too. Um, and, and now I've had the great fortune to put together a course around it, inspired by you and your work with AAC Ally. Um, I said, yeah, okay, Rachel, you give great coach for me on how to put that together. So, uh, so if, if you're like, I, I still don't know what it is, despite many, or I don't know how to do it, despite many episodes, uh, on it and conversations about it, uh, uh, there's a course on it now. And then yes, so many people are like, we are getting language through AAC to more, people than ever through that approach. And I, yes, it's something I um, uh, thank you. Thank you for saying that. It's really, uh, it's really like, I don't know what's the word, humbling. It's really amazing to, to see how that, that change has happened across the nation and across different uh, continents.
1: Yeah, I'm really excited. And I definitely want to link to your course in the show notes and help people find it because ultimately we are so taxed in our field with not having enough time. And I feel like one of the the benefits of this is we get to spend more time where it matters in implementation of AAC. And I feel like we all need more of that. So definitely recommend your course, Chris. It's awesome. And I love the idea. And I just, I'm really excited to see how this has shifted and, and shaped what a lot of people are doing and advocating for in their school districts. Um, so excited. Luke's going to put it in the show notes for us. And we found a theme, Chris. We found a theme of ATIA.
0: Yeah, thank you, Rachel. That's awesome. All right. So I guess the way to wrap it up, though, is we will see you at ATIA 2025. It's not confirmed yet that you and I will be there, but uh, I, I, I I, would imagine, I hope, uh, fingers crossed, that they would invite us to come back and do another pre-conference. I mean, it was really well attended and I think we're going to get good feedback. We haven't got it yet, but I think people were really engaged. Um, I think that that uh, certainly people were coming up to us afterwards and chatting with us. I felt like we created a little community there of people. So, I mean, would you anticipate the same thing?
1: I hope so. I hope that we get an invite back to ATA for a pre-conference because I just had so much fun and it's always a great, it's always a great week at ATA and I would love to see everyone next year. So we'll keep you posted when we find out if we get an official invite back. Um, and we would love for you to join us. If you have been listening to this podcast and want to spend a whole day with Chris and I, ATA is a great place to do it.
0: See you there.